0: This is the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League, presented by United Dairy Farmers hot stove league is brought to you by the holy grail banks tavern and grill norcom your audiovisual information technology solutions provider nor-com.com shin food group let's create great dishes to get beacon orthopedics and sports medicine and by msa design design create innovate the reds hot stove league is also brought to you by cbts consult build transform support cbts.com kelsey chevrolet from our family to yours kelseychev.com r Carriers, your domestic LTL and offshore shipping provider, RLC.com backslash offshore today, and by United Dairy Farmers. UDF now makes donuts in our new family bakery from our own recipes.
1: The Reds are on the radio. Now,
0: the Reds Hot Stove League on 700 WLW, the home of the Reds. Good evening and welcome into the Reds Hot Stove League. I am Tommy Thraw and joined by Jim Day. How are we doing, Jim? Fantastic hanging in there
1: just watching the news on a daily basis hoping to get
0: good news at some point we we are waiting in fact i saw a quote today from rob manfred speaking on mlb network we're going to play baseball in 2020 100 if it has to be in that march 26th agreement so be it but one way or another we're playing baseball just saw that quote on twitter moments ago that was rob manfred uh speaking on mlb network question is, what is the agreement going to look like? What are they going to come to the players uh, with another counter proposal? Uh, yesterday, the owners expect to shoot that down, but it seems like we're getting closer to meeting in the middle, and that seems when you read all the stories and, and you, you follow this, uh, it sounds like the two sides are at least getting closer for the time being, which is cause for optimism.
1: Boy, I hope so. We need some optimism. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it, it, he, he's saying that they're definitely going to play baseball. I mean, that's, it also could be the commissioner-mandated season, which will be very much shorter than um, we're hoping for. But, you know, we'll take what we can get at this point. I Just, just like any other fan, just re- kind of tired of hearing about it, ready for an agreement.
0: No question. There is no doubt about that. We've got a lot of uh, lot to cover. the The draft, the Major League Baseball draft, is tonight. Uh, it'll be a little different. I shouldn't say the whole draft tonight. It starts tonight. We'll have the first round. Um, it begins at seven o'clock. You can watch it on MLB Network and ESPN. Uh, then uh, we've also will be talking with Rick Walls a little bit later on in the show about the Reds Hall of Fame and Museum presented by Dinsmore reopening. But right now, we are pleased to be joined. I think I can safely say this on these airwaves the best second baseman of all time. Hall of Famer, Reds Hall of Famer, Joe Morgan is joining us. And uh, let's welcome in Joe now. How are you, sir? I am good, but I'm ready for some baseball. Boy, that makes all of us, <laughs> aren't we all? Right. Well, that. Well, let's just jump right into it here, and I want to get your thoughts on this. I mean, you're like all of us. You're kind of sitting here on the outside. We're all just reading the articles. We're talking to as many people as we can. Uh, but it seems like most of the information is just coming from what we read. What What is your take on all this? And and, and you know, from a, especially from a former player's perspective.
2: Well, I'd be a little hypocritical if I said that. You know, the guys. This was all bad. Everybody's wrong, because so I went through a couple of strikes. I went through lockouts. I did stuff too. So uh, I'm not as up to date as I was then. I was part of everything then. I wanted to know what was going on, so I kept myself informed. You know, through the players' association, etc. Um, now I'm like you. I read the paper, I listen to the TV, and I see what's going on. One day it's great. Next day I, I'm disheartened again. So. Um, I was glad to hear you say that the commissioner, I didn't see the Twitter, but him to say that there will be baseball. So, you know, I look forward to that.
1: Joe, the, the people that maybe you stay in contact with, is there optimism amongst, uh,
2: the camp of people you talk to? Yes, but there's been optimism, Jim, for the last couple of months, and we're still not there yet. Um like I said, be hypocritical for me to criticize the players or to criticize management because I don't know what those numbers mean. Those are numbers I've never dealt with in my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> $140 billion, $2 billion, you know. But, you know, by the same token, you know, it's bad for the game, you know, the way things are going right now. Um, I just hope that, you know, we can get something settled, get on the field, and, and get some baseball in 2020.
0: Uh, Joe, there's a lot of things that have been discussed as far as rule changes and in, in, in how this season might play out. I, I saw one, uh, Joe Posnanski wrote uh, an interesting article and almost kind of suggested setting up the season kind of like you would the College World Series, and uh, or maybe at least the postseason no. setting it up that way, which was an interesting. But, no. but are there things, uh, there you go, that's a quick answer. But no. what are there some things well, the that are being discussed answer. that are thrown around? Yeah, there are a lot of things being thrown
2: around, and I think that's the problem. Look, this is professional baseball. This is not the College World Series. This is not the Final Four in March. This is professional baseball. Everybody's doing it for a profession. The players are using it professional owners as part of their business. So it has to be treated as such. I don't think you can, you know, I don't know if that's the right term, Jimmy Jack something up so that you can just put people on the field and put a tournament together. I don't believe in that. Uh, I believe that players, these players who are professionals have worked their hard to get to there, and they deserve to, um, you know, be able to show their best, you know, their best skills. Um, as we all know, a, sh- a short tournament or something like that, it doesn't mean the best team is going to win. It doesn't mean anything. It just means that somebody whoever gets hot that day. Um, that's what's going to happen. I mean, if the Punisher hits two or three home runs every day, then the Reds would be in. You know, so things like that, I don't agree with. I just think you have to treat it as professional baseball and force these two sides to come together and let's move forward. So they talked about maybe experimenting with uh,
1: rules or. Uh few different scenarios. Is there anything out there that you would like to see Major League Baseball uh, in this time and a season of 2020 where it is a chance to maybe try some new things that you would be
2: a proponent of? The only thing I would be a proponent of is expanding the playoffs, you know, getting more teams involved, keeping more cities interested as we go down the stretch. Uh, uh, other than that, you know, I haven't given it a lot of thought, to be honest with you, Jim. Um, like I said, I've been doing exactly what you do. I read the paper every day. I, I watch all the telecasts, and I just try to figure out where we are and what we're going to end up doing. Um, the thing that bothers me more is unfortunate that this year all this happens because, you know, I think the Reds. This is their best chance in the last few years to get to the playoffs. Yeah. And 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 now you know we don't know what's going to happen. We could always say over 162 games that the best teams. Are going to be in the playoffs. If you have a short schedule, you don't know if the best teams are going to be in the playoffs.
0: Joe, I want to switch gears a little bit, and obviously, a okay. lot of a lot of Reds fans and, and Reds fans that are listening are, are very familiar with your career. Um, but I, I I do want to kind of talk a little bit about about your time and and what it was like. Uh, you know, reading about you and, and, and the trade when you came over from Houston, that was not something that at the time was very well received. Of course, in these days, in this day and age, you, you have social media. There's so much information that, that you can choose to ignore if you can or uh, read it if you, if you choose. What was that whole process like for you? It obviously was it, it, now, looking back on, it's one of the greatest trades the Reds could have ever made. Um, and so what was, that, what was that whole process like for you at that point?
2: Well, it's the second greatest thing that's happened to me, third greatest. My marriages and my kids are my first two. But um, I didn't want to come to Cincinnati. I mean, let's face it. I was in Houston. We had a lot of good players there, a lot of young players, and I thought we were going to be become something special. Um, so, But when they traded me there, and I have to tell you my father, who is no longer with us, I wasn't happy because I wanted to stay in Houston, play with Jimmy Wynn with my roommate. Play with all the guys, Rusty Staub, all the guys I'd come up with. And my dad said to me, now you have a chance to get in the World Series. And you know what? A bell went off in my head right that day. And from that point on, I was all in on the trade and anything that was going to happen after that. Look, if I was a Reds fan, I wouldn't have been as happy either. Look, Lee May, Tommy Hams, Jimmy Stewart, all these guys were leaving. These were were people favored, people here, They were all good players. They had done well for the Reds, and so the fans were saying, who is Joe Morgan, you know what I mean, (laughs) and who are these other guys that are coming with him? So um, it turned out, obviously, to be the best. The one thing I will say, uh, although I know it wasn't a popular trade at the time, when I got here, the people, the fans, gave me a chance to prove who I was. They didn't put a lot of pressure on me when I got here. I had a chance to... Um, Show that I deserve to be, you know, on a on a big red machine. I had a chance to get to know. I knew Pete better than anyone else. I got a chance to know Johnny, Tony, all the other guys, and all of a sudden, you know, I, it was. This is where I belonged. That's the way I felt after a while.
0: Well, I want to get into that a little bit more. Do you have Do you have time to stick around for another few minutes? Yeah. Yeah, I'm okay. All right. Well, we'll yeah. be. All right, very good. Well, we'll be back with more with Joe Morgan. Coming up, you're listening to the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back into the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. The Reds Hall of Fame and Museum, presented by Dinsmore, will reopen to the museum members on Saturday, June 13th. That is this Saturday, and to the public on Saturday, June 20th. Visit RedsMuseum.org to plan your next visit. We're visiting with Hall of Famer Joe Morgan, and uh, boy, it is a, a treat to have you on, Joe. Thanks so much for for sticking around for another segment with us. And we're talking about you coming over from Houston. Uh, One thing that happened uh, that, that, as the story goes, was a huge impact on your career, not just the trade. But once you got here, you were lockered next to Pete Rose. Uh, How much of an impact did that play on on you and your career?
2: Well, It had a big impact on me and my career. Like I said, Pete, I knew before I got here. But Sparky, let me back up. Sparky Anderson should get all the credit for all of this because Sparky was the one that told Bob Hausman and everybody what I could do for his lineup and why he wanted me here. And then when he got, when I got here, he lockered me next to Pete Rose. And, you know, that was just match made in heaven, so to speak. You know, I was there with Pete every day. We talked baseball every day and we just pushed each other every single day. And so, You know, uh, Sparky, like I say, he deserves all this credit. But locking me next to Pete was great. He did two things. That was the first thing. He locked me next to Pete. And I didn't even tell anybody this story until after I retired. Um, One day he called me into the office the first month right after toward the end of spring training. And he said, Joe, I'm never going to give you a sign. He said, you have proven to me that you know how to play this game and you're going to always do what's best for the team. And that was a twofold. it was a blessing, but it's kind of a crutch too because, you know, all of a sudden now, every time I walk to the plate, I've got to think about what's best for the team. I couldn't walk up there with a clear mind just to hit. I had to think what's best for the team. There were times I had to try to get a walk, times I had to try to do something else. But Sparky gave me that leeway. I always looked down at third base so the players wouldn't know but only the two of us knew. I never told anybody. He may have told somebody, but I never told any of the players, anybody else that I was on my own. In fact, Pete criticized me one day. I bunted with a runner at first base in a tie game and the left hand on the mound, and I came back in, man. He said, why did Sparky make you bunt? I said, man, it was the right thing to do, you know, or something like that. But, you know, <laughs> I, had, I had I had such great support here from Pete, all the players, Johnny, all, all the players, and of course, from Sparky. So uh, it was it was it was a it was a perfect match for me.
1: Well, you made uh, a few sacrifices in that regard, and I I know one of them was stolen bases. You probably could have had yeah more stolen bases because uh, once you get on got on second base, uh, you didn't try right. to steal third as much because you had guys hitting behind you to drive you in. But uh, I know there was a time that you tried to steal home, which. Uh, what is Perez? Perez set
2: you straight, right? Yeah, yeah uh, that's an interesting story. We're in Chicago, and I don't know what happened. I just, I, as, as they say, I had a brain lock, and I was on third base with two outs, and I took off a home. And, and I'm sitting there on home plate, and, and Tony Perez looks down at me, and he said, don't you ever do that again. He said, I'm going to swing. And I looked up at him. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> but the, the point was, <laughs> When I was at second base, those guys could drive me in. And and you have to remember this. As a base stealer, you can't just take, take, take. I couldn't just expect Bench, Perez, and all those guys to take pitches so I could steal bases. So there were times when I wouldn't steal, and I would tell them I wasn't going to steal. I'd say, take a pick, a fastball out, man, hit it, and both of us come home together. And then there were times when the game is tied in eighth and or we're run, run down. I would ask them to take a pitch for me. And they always did it. And then I'd steal the base, and they'd drive me in. So that's how I became a hero. Uh,
0: were there were, – did you ever have instances, especially when you were at first, and, and you talk about it there a little bit, but were there times where, where guys would get frustrated with you as a distraction to the hitter when you were at first base? No. Maybe them not knowing whether or not you were going to go? Not with those two guys. Bench would hit behind me
2: sometimes, and then, of uh, course, the I would tell them what I was going to do before I got on base. If we're one run down, I said, just give me the first pitch. If I don't steal on the first pitch, you go ahead and hit. And they always did that. And I would usually try to go on the first pitch. I did not want to take the bat out of their hand. I didn't want them to be hitting with two strikes, et cetera, et cetera. Look, we worked it perfectly. Everything worked out well for us, for me as a base stealer and them as the guys that drive in runs. I could, look, I could have stolen – I don't know, 70, 80 bases every year if I was just out there running. But that wasn't my job. My job was to get on base, score runs for the team, get in scoring position, and those guys would drive me in. And it just worked out well that way. Um, I remember a story years and years in the, when I first came to the big leagues when Maury Will stole 104 bases or something. Him and Jim Gilliam didn't, weren't speaking at the end of the year because – It felt like he was just, you know, Gilliam never had time to hit. It was always Maury, Maury, Maury. And I I was convinced and told myself I would never let that happen to me.
1: Jill, this has been an unusual year to say the least. Uh, Yeah. How how have you been through all this, the quarantine
2: and everything that's going on, uh, everything but in your world? Everything's great in my world, with it, you know, except I'm like everybody else. I'm sheltered in place, and I'm, you know, looking at the world differently now from the pandemic and also from the protests and everything that's going on. Um, I, I say this in all honesty. Anybody that's lived in this country in the last hundred years shouldn't be surprised about what's going on. You know, at some point, enough is enough, and I think we've reached that point. And not just in America, all around the world... I think people are looking at, at things differently, you know, at social injustice and everything else. And I just think that we're going to be a better world for this. It's unfortunate, but somebody always has to pay a price before we move forward. And it's unfortunate that that has to happen. But, I mean, look back through history, Martin Luther King, John F. Kennedy, all these people were, had to pay the price for us to move forward. And in this case, it's been a lot of people moving forward, had to pay a price for us to get to where we are. But I think now this country and all the other countries realize we've got to move forward as a human race, not just as individual uh, ethnic groups. Here, here.
0: Very well said. Yeah, absolutely. Well said, Joe. And. Boy, thank you so much for taking some time to join us today. Always a treat to chat with you, talk baseball, hear your stories, and uh, boy, this was this was a lot of fun. So thanks so much for for coming on with us today.
2: Hey, you guys, anytime you need me, you know I'm available. So thank you,
0: much appreciated. Right. That is. The greatest second baseman of all time joining us, Joe Morgan. Tough act to follow. Rick Walls, the executive director of the Reds Hall of Fame and Museum, presented by Densmore, will be on with us when we return. This is the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by the Holy Grail Banks Budweiser and UDF on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back into the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by the Holy Grail Banks Budweiser and UDF with Jim Day. I'm Tommy Thraw. Thanks so much for joining us today. We'll get to your phone calls a little bit later on. Uh, Go ahead and you can call in if you'd like. 513-749-7000. Pound 700 for AT&T customers and 800 the big one. Uh, But right now, let's talk about the Reds Hall of Fame and Museum. We are joined now by the Executive Director of the Reds Hall of Fame and Museum, presented by Dinsmore, Rick Walls. And Rick, thanks so much for... Being on with us, I know you are very excited because of what is going on this weekend, and that is that the Hall of Fame is opening back up, and that will be open to members starting this weekend. How exciting is that?
3: It's great. We've been waiting for this opportunity for a while. We knew we'd be ready to open up whenever the go-ahead was given. We've been preparing for this for quite some time. We've got a great product in the museum, and the fans are craving for baseball. So I think opening now couldn't have come at a better time. And just like you said, this week on Saturday we will open up to our members. This is a great way to thank our members for being behind us. All year. They've supported us. They've continued to renew their memberships. So, for their first week, it'll be a members only appreciation week. And then on the 20th, we'll be open to the public.
1: I imagine, uh, just like anything else, you guys have kind of had to reinvent uh, the way you do business uh, with the the protocols in place. But you guys are ready and raring to go to make it a safe place. Uh, we
3: are, Jim. You know, it's, it's, we, have followed a lot of the guidance and direction that you've seen uh, around um, you know the area and around the state of Ohio and also have been talking with a lot of other museums and been part of other organizations to see what everybody was doing and we're committed to providing a safe environment and for our guests and for our staff so we've implemented all the standard protocols that you see everywhere our staff will be wearing face coverings they'll be going through temperature checks we'll have capacity limits so that we keep the proper social distancing throughout the museum, and we're certainly encouraging a timed entry process. So you'll have a way to register online to let us know when you're coming in, and that'll just ensure that you have a spot and are able to tour the museum and not maybe get stuck behind a a line of people that may already have a reservation ahead of you. So you can imagine the floor signs, the barriers that we have. We have reinvented it, but that's the way it is for now. And you can still come down and have a great time, experience all the exhibits uh, in the museum, and you're just still going to experience baseball. And this is a great lead-in to hopefully what will be a baseball season soon.
0: Boy, no question about that. And one of the things that makes this museum so spectacular is, is the amount of interactive exhibits there. Talk about what folks can, can expect if they still haven't been down there and seen the museum since it's been redone. Uh, what, what can folks expect to see? And and are, are the interactive features still there for folks to, to take part in with, with all the new protocols that are in place?
3: Well, yeah, we have a pretty enhanced protocols for cleaning and disinfecting and going throughout the day making sure the high contact services are clean so speaking of touch screens like you had mentioned we have several touch screens where you can watch videos those will be able to use we have an abundance of hand sanitizer. Nearby, all of these exhibits. So, you know, we're asking people to use their best judgment on these. We will be right behind them, helping clean throughout the day. It will be a safe environment. You know, I was you were talking about Joe Morgan and how it's a tough act to follow that guy on the radio, and he was fantastic. And speaking about what he was talking about, and I think one of the cool things that fans are going to be able to do is we were able to get Shades of Greatness extended through the end of July, and that's an exhibit on loan from the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. and And it's the first collaborative art exhibit relating to Negro Leagues Baseball. And it really blends in well with our Pursuit of a Dream exhibit, which is sponsored by African-American Capital Enterprises, one of the Red's ownership groups. And it talks a lot about the diversity in baseball and tying the Negro Leagues Baseball history to that. And it talks to Joe Morgan specifically in that the Big Red Machine is highlighted, that that team in particular – had diverse talents, diverse backgrounds, if you look across that entire grade 8 starting lineup, and certainly diverse egos, but they all had one thing in common, and that was the chemistry and the will to win, and they worked together as a unit. So it's proof that people, when they come together, can achieve great things. And I think Pursuit of a Dream is the perfect title for that, blends well with shades of greatness. So that, plus all the interactive exhibits, makes this you know, a great visit for you, a great place to come down and visit and take in all of Reds baseball and history.
1: Oh, we've all had to for- reformulate plans here in 2020. This was supp- supposed to be a uh, Hall of Fame year as well with uh, Marty going in. Uh, is there any public type announcement that, uh, that you know, obviously if fans aren't going to be able to be in the stands, uh, are we looking to 2021 for that?
3: We could be, and we 're just waiting to see what happens with the season at this point. I mean until there 's an announcement, uh, you know things are changing week to week we 've seen that happen a lot you know a couple of weeks ago, museums were on a delay for opening, so i 'm really happy about the progression that 's taking place. Uh, us being open, we know we can handle the opening uh, baseball I, I heard earlier today that Manfred had at least been quoted that baseball be played this year. It, there has never been a season since 1869 where there wasn't baseball played. So I would hope that that gets done, and that obviously helps the organization, helps the fans in Cincinnati, and is part of what we represent the entire history of the ball club. So I, I believe that uh, you know it, the induction of Marty is going to happen. We want to do it when it's right, though. We want to make sure that right. the fans can experience it with him. We need to celebrate uh his 46 years of baseball with the reds and it's really really important i think to everybody and to him and it's part of what we do so we're going to be making the right decision uh when the time is
1: right
0: well we will keep an eye out for that decision and uh we'll we'll look for an announcement on that um well let's uh if you don't mind you got time to stick around for one more i do absolutely uh, all right. We'll, we'll have more with uh, Rick Walls when the Reds Hot Stove League continues, presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF on the Reds Radio Network. We continue on the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF with Jim Day. I am Tommy Thrall, and this is something pretty cool right now. Commemorative uh, or, or commemorate a graduation or send best wishes for Father's Day By displaying a message on Great American Ballpark's new scoreboard for a limited time, customized messages can be ordered for a donation to the Reds Community Fund. Digital and print photo options are available. Details at Reds.com slash gift message. Very cool thing there. Uh, we're visiting with Rick Walls, the Executive Director of the Reds Hall of Fame and Museum, presented by Dinsmore. Of course, we've been talking about reopening to Hall of Fame members on Saturday, that's this Saturday, and then it'll open up to the entire public the following Saturday on June 20th, a very exciting time for the Hall of Fame. And uh, we're talking about Marty Brenneman before we went to break and and obviously this was the year that Marty Brenneman was going to go into the Reds Hall of Fame. And uh, that brings me to the broadcaster exhibit because obviously being a broadcaster and being a broadcast nerd, if you will, and uh, having had this infatuation with with radio and and baseball broadcasting in particular for a long time, that might be my favorite part of the whole (laughs) Hall of Fame exhibit That that whole section that that is really something there, Rick. And what kind of what what I guess was the genesis behind all of that?
3: I think Marty had a lot to do with that. You know, we knew a little bit about uh, Marty likely going in the Hall of Fame that year, and we talked to Marty about it. And you know, he wanted it to be called the Marty and Joe Broadcasting Exhibit because we wanted to put this in the honor of just not just broadcasting, but of the legendary duo those two and. We wanted that to happen. We knew there was a huge history of radio and the Reds. I mean, if it weren't for the Reds on the radio throughout the years, the fan base that we have throughout Reds country wouldn't be what it is. And, you know, pre-TV, even when TV came around, everybody talks about the transistor radio and going back to, you know, when before Joe, wait, hoy, you can go way back and look at these guys in Red Barber, and that's how you got your Reds baseball. So that's why we did it. And having an interactive exhibit where you get the call to call the play – and take home a video or an audio clip of you making a television broadcast call or a radio broadcast call. I think that's something that everybody wants to do. So Tommy, everybody wants your job. You realize that, right? So
0: <laughs> there's no question.
3: <laughs> they all go in there and audition and they think they've got a shot at it. So it's a wonderful <laughs> exhibit, and I know Jim's been in there too, and uh, we've toured the hall. But you know, there's so many interactive things to do within the museum. It's just, and that's right there in the, in the centerpiece, and it's a it's a great part of Red history. Uh, You know, this year, you think about Joe Nuxall, today is the uh, June 10th was the anniversary of when he became the youngest player back in 1944, ever to play in a major league uniform. So Joe's got a special place in everyone's heart. So, you know how we love anniversaries, right? You know, last year, 150. This year's 50th anniversary. Riverfront Stadium starting in the close of Crosley Field. 30th anniversary of the 90 team. Jim, you've had the, all the 90 guys on the podcast and stuff. That's been a lot of fun to listen to. So, it's, it's baseball all the time. Even when it's not happening on the field, it's alive and well in the museum and everywhere. So, join the museum now, by the way, because that's how you get the Marty Burnham and Bobblehead. By being a member, and and you'll get to get in a
1: week early, starting this Saturday. Great point. There are so many cool um, artifacts, uh, memorabilia in there, and you uh, are in close contact with all of them. Is is there one piece of memorabilia that really blew your mind, like when you were holding it, like wow? Or even just a, a select
3: few, if you don't have just one. It's automatic for me. It's the last out ball from the 1919 World Series. And so, you know, once you pick an artifact, you fall in love with it. To me, to know that that's a ball that uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson hit and was fielded, and you know, during also the Black Sox scandal, the whole thing that went down. To me, that's an important part of baseball history, and how that season changed baseball forever. So that ball, and knowing that it came from that game, to me, is really special. And it's in our, uh, in the Williams Family Champions Gallery, next to all the World Series trophies. And we're carving out a space for the next one, even if it's a shortened season, we'll still have the trophy there. There's plenty of room. <laughs> but but you can think of it. We have over 7,000 artifacts on display right now, including all the baseball cards. You know, every baseball card almost that every was ever made for a Reds player, at least one for every Reds player is on display. And the hard part we have, guys, is deciding what to put out on display and what not to. So someday yeah. you guys will have to come visit our vault with us.
0: Oh, boy. That That's a special like right place. Is there... No, oh, I, I bet it is. Is there any thought of, of, or maybe you guys do it, where where you rotate some of that stuff that you have in the vault and bring it out, and and or is what you have pretty much there all the time?
3: No, it's on constant rotation. And when we renovated the museum, to, you know, for last year, we kind of stuck with the same things for most of the year, but every case was made to change frequently. So we're able to change the timeline. Bring new items in and out. We're acquiring items all the time. I've had people donate things to us. You know, every month we get something new. And we really appreciate those out there that have done that because that's how we are able to preserve and showcase Red's history. I've had many people say, you know, this doesn't do me any good in my basement anymore. You know, I really want people to see it. No one in my family wants it anymore. And this isn't just these are collectors but also even Red's alums do the same thing or they'll let us borrow it for a period of time. So we've got some really nice stuff, and uh, we've got great relationships with the community out there, the collectors and the players, and the collections is getting bigger and better all the time.
0: Well, there's no question. It's uh, it's a great museum. You do a tremendous job, and uh, like we said before, if you haven't been out to check it out, you've got to get in there, and uh, it's a great way to get your baseball fix right now. Once again, if you are a Reds Hall of Fame member. uh, Members can go in beginning on Saturday, uh, and then that is this Saturday. Otherwise, it'll open up to the public the following Saturday on June 20th. Rick, thanks so much for uh, being on with us. Always enjoy talking Reds history, Reds baseball with you, and uh, appreciate you spending some time with us today.
3: Thank you. Looking forward to seeing you guys at a game sometime soon.
0: Boy, (laughs) I think we all feel the same way. Certainly hope we'll be back at the ballpark soon. That is Rick Walls, the executive director of the Reds Hall of Fame and Museum, presented by Dinsmore. We'll wrap up the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF, when we return on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back into the Reds Hot Stove League presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. New podcast of the Jim Day podcast, presented by Kroger, and behind the mic with Tom Brenneman, presented by PNC, Could be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, and Reds.com slash podcast. Subscribe today. And uh, Jim, who we got uh, on the podcast this week? Hal Morse, 1990
1: world champion, Hal Morse. On the program, all he did was hit 340 during 1990. Um, no big deal. So we, uh, no, no big deal. No, he could just flat out rake. Uh, Gorgeous swing, that, uh, unorthodox uh, approach as far as shuffling the feet. But we get into that and uh, you know stories from the past, what he's up to now. And uh, he's uh, he's a good listen, so I hope you check it out
0: how much fun has that podcast been for you when you set out to do this it, it has it been as expected has it exceeded expectations i mean how's this how's this been
1: well for me selfishly it's been fantastic the reason i wanted to do it is because of the format um in television you know you get some some are long form interviews but mostly you know the 30 second soundbite of a athlete or player saying basically the same thing over and over and not really getting to know, uh, just having a, a human conversation or have some laughs or tell some stories. Uh, there's no producer in my ear. That's telling me to go to break. There's no game that's dictating how much time we're on for that segment. Um, it's totally open-ended. So the format is just fantastic. Uh, and you know, I, I am I enjoyed it immensely.
0: Well, there's uh, a lot of them you can go back and listen to, and you have been able to get a lot of great stuff out of a lot of great people. Well, we talked about it. We started the show. We're pretty much out of time now, but we started the show talking about Rob Manfred's comment saying that he feels there is a 100% chance that baseball will happen in one form or another. So that at least gives us room to be optimistic that at some point baseball will be happening, and hopefully we'll be talking about that sometime in the weeks to come. Jim, always enjoyed it. Thanks so much.
1: My pleasure. Talk to you soon, Thomas.
0: Absolutely. That is Jim Day. And uh, keep in mind, there's some stuff to watch for this week. Rewind games on Fox Sports Ohio. Uh, Raulis Chapman's 2010 debut the 75 World Series Game 7 75 All-Star Game with Rose, Morgan, Bench, Concepcion Perez, you can get the full schedule Reds.com slash TV and the classic radio game of the week is the Reds 9-0 win over the Giants in Game 2 of the 2012 NLDS that can be heard on Friday. For Jim Day, also for Rick Walls and Joe Morgan and Dave Keaton back in the studio I'm Tommy Thrall, thanks for listening this has been the Reds Hot Stove League presented by the Holy Grail Banks Budweiser and UDF.